Welcome to Dragon Talk, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Greg Tito, and I'm joined by... Shelly. Hi, Shelly. How you doing? Good. Mazanoble. Oh, there. That's your last name. Not to be confused. What's your first name again? Shelly. Shelly. Okay, good. We also have Bill Benham here What's in up, front Bill of us. Benham? Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking to him as well as Greg Marks from the D&D Adventurers League. Two admins. And two Greg. Which is short for administrator. It is. That's true. Not administration, but administrator. Two admins. Uh, we'll talk all about D&D organized play, what the D&D Adventurers League, and what it means to you, the listener, uh, very soon after that, right? That's yeah. going to be really exciting. Yeah. Uh, we do have some other fun Dungeons & Dragons stuff to talk about. Uh, for example, Xanathar's uh, uh, uh. Got Everything is out in stores, uh. and it's really great, and people love it, and there are so many subclasses that you can try. What's your favorite one that you haven't been able to try yet, uh, Shelly, but you really want to? Oh, you know that one. Oh, the, the drunken, drunken master? Yeah. 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 I knew it. I like to Wait, method what? act that one. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Been practicing like a for young that Brando class all my life. Through the door. <laughs> the truth is, we have so many amazing things happening uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, but I just can't tell you about them yet. That's the crazy thing. Everybody at this table knows about them, everybody back there knows about it, but we can't tell you yet. It's coming very Do soon. Do you know about them, though? We've been planning uh, amazing events, uh, amazing stories, amazing D&D Adventurers League adventures on the Dungeon Masters Guild. Great gets it. Uh, what else? Some, some, some monsters you might be able to play with? Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out. Monsters maybe you haven't seen before. Yeah. Ever? Ever. Ever. In the world. Made ups? Made ups. In imaginary town. They lurk. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be finding about that in 2018. Uh, you'll also be going to some uh, various locations that we haven't visited before uh, in the Dungeons and Dragons universe, perhaps. You can't. You don't know yet. You don't know. You get to That's what I'm out. saying. I'm just trying to, so I'm trying to tease but this out. Me? As, yeah. Okay, Shelly, I'll let you know. It's <laughs> kill Satan. What? No. That's where we're going. Way. Yeah. Pretty crazy, right? We're going Binghamton, to New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Poughkeepsie. Oh, oh everyone's I went favorite. too far upstate. End of the blue line. We're going to Poughkeepsie, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, what dangers lurk there? The facts of life, wasn't that set there? Was it really? That's wasn't where that George Clooney was, was no, born. Get maybe some it good, wasn't. get some bad. Get the P. Oh, <laughs> them both. And they have. You know, facts of life. The D and D League. The D and D League. Well, we were doing the A team thing earlier. They were like. Adventurers League. There's an A in Adventurers. The facts of life, though, they were like a D&D party. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the wizard? Five of them. Tootie. Tootie. That was way too fast. That was easy. He's been thinking about this. Blair is the bard, right? I like that. Right? Yeah. What are some of the other? Joe? Joe would be the fighter. Got to be the fighter. Right? Yeah. Natalie. <laughs> what you, uh, the cleric? She's got to be the cleric. She's Mrs. Garrett's the cleric. Oh well, it just that rhymes. almost rhymes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mrs. Garrett's the cleric. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, who do you think Natalie is? She's like the um, rogue. I guess. I don't know. I'm just there needs to be a rogue. Yeah, there does. Natalie's it. I think she's the like cleric. You do? Yeah, I think I think Mrs. She's Garrett's the fun- like the patron. She's very funny though. What's yeah. a fl- so there could be funny clerics. They're like trickster gods. She's, she's more, like a, she's the cleric of a trickster god, perhaps. She's more bardy to me. Mm, that could be and her. I think Blair is more. Maybe she's the cleric. No, she Rogue. wouldn't. Rogue, barbarian. Maybe. Barbarian. 
I don't I feel know. Like she's more wizardry. We gotta we gotta Sorcerers. open this up. We gotta open this up to more people. If yep. you could figure out what the facts of life cast were as D and D party go, let's yes, get some fan art going. Now. You can uh, <laughs> message it to me at uh, uh, Greg Tito. I'm on the Twitters, uh, and then yeah. Do you know we'll, that Tootie we'll was it out on there. the Real Housewives? I yes, of Atlanta. Of Atlanta. I didn't oh, know yeah. that. Yeah, it's kind of weird. They called her Tootie a couple of times, and they're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, you don't. She's like, don't make me put on my roller skates. She had roller skates? Tootie was always roller skating on the Facts of Life. I went to the roller skate rink uh, this weekend. You've been doing that. I know. I feel like it's not now my go-to. Shooting the duck? <laughs> is that what it's called? <laughs> what is that? Raising go, the bird? We, did, we were all holding hands at one time, and we did like a, a, the, a whip. the whip a little bit, and Edna got, she's like, no, I don't want to go fast. And I'm like, oh, all right. With you, Edna. Yeah. Shoot the duck, though. Isn't that a thing? I have no idea what you're talking about. It's like this. When you have your... You squat down, oh. you stick your leg out in front of you. Yeah, like Angus Walker doing the duck walk. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Right? Shooting the duck. Shooting the duck shooting the at duck. the roller rink. All right, we were not shooting the duck. We were we were limboing. I did do a limbo. Really? Yeah, I went under the under I the thing. I didn't know you were such a good skater. I didn't know either. It's all coming back to me now. I was just lying dormant. Oh, see, inside. I just call it falling backwards. That's on wheels. Just backwards and then I scoot. I'm I didn't not, fall once, guys. I'm out of wheels. Bro. I'm just throwing it out there. I didn't fall once at the roller rink. I was there for like an hour. How many kids did you knock down? Three. In your quest to stay up. There were lots of tears, but none of them were mine. <laughs> and one of them didn't get back up again. <laughs> you get my way, you stay down. I didn't fall once. Sorry, Timmy. Uh, all right, so uh, enough hilarity about uh, uh, roller skating rank. Let's listen to some really fun and uh, amazing lore about slod. Okay. They're fun. On skates. They're slotty, is what I found out. That's how you pronounce them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when how? You knew that. Slotty. Slotty. Yeah. Oh, that's what? Plural. S L A A D I, slotty. Yeah. Hmm. Now you know. I've got like four jokes that I can't say, so I'm not gonna do it. I'm just oh. gonna go right to the segment. So let's uh, let's throw some bings, maybe some bongs. Tell them you know what I'm talking about. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I am joined by these two fantastic lore masters, Mr. Chris Perkins. Howdy. And Matt Cernit. Hi. And we are going to, as we do with every one of these segments, uh, talk about little bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore and uh, delve in deep in getting at the heart of it, and then give you maybe some ideas for how to use it in your game and or just because it's fun. And today, we're going to talk about uh, the chaotic side of things uh, with the Slad. That is how you pronounce it, right? S-L-A-A-D? Singular slod, plural slotty. Slotty. Yep. That slotty. Sounds, sounds Scottish in a way. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we'll get uh, uh, Richard in here to help us with that. Uh, so what What are slod? Are they, they're, they're gross, if I remember correctly. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're really slimy. So they are uh, chaotic neutral creatures from the outer plane of pandemonium that are shaped, for whatever reason, like giant frog monsters or toad monsters. They basically look like huge, hulking, bipedal frog creatures. Limbo. Limbo, sorry. Did it, I say Panama? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Limbo. Did that get changed? The other... Limbo. No, no, no it, was al- it was always Limbo. I was yeah. wrong. Other, other chaotic plane. Yeah. But there's just so many chaotic <laughs> planes out there. That's part of why they're chaotic. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, what else do we know about Slon? So, uh, Limbo is a plane of, like, just utter... Utter chaos. So uh, 
like it's just a big soup of fire that turns into water, that turns into lightning, that turns into a fish, that turns into ice, that turns into a tree, that turns into rocks. That I mean, it's blah, like it's just stuff happening. There's like almost no real reality yeah. happening, right? Right. And then um, certain beings, like for example the Gitzerai, can uh, sort of impose their will upon uh, Limbo to create stable realities within it. Uh, Slotty kind of just swim through the soup, and they are kind of um, gifted with the ability to exist in this plane regardless. And they don't care if it's a tree or Whee! a balloon. Or a, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> do they stay as the same? They are weird frog people. So one of the things that we thought about when we were doing fifth edition was, why are these weird frog people? That, they're in this plane of chaos. Like they're they're sort of like these angels of chaos and yet they all look like weird frog people and then they also have these really sort of um, uh, sort of law abiding elements like um, red slod make more slods by impregnating people with their claws with you know and making them Injecting a pellet yeah, into their body, basically. It grows and turns into another slot. Blue slot pop out? I were, uh, yeah, they, they I think. Yeah. Kind of like the chest burster yeah. From, yeah. From, exactly. from Alien. It's exactly like the chest burster but, from Alien, but you give birth to a blue slot, so. Yeah. Blues don't do that. They, they change you by uh, clawing you, then you tr- transform into the other one, and then the other ones. So they have all these rules that they follow. Right, and even the fact that there's red and blue and right. it has like a caste system, which is very little, law. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so originally there was this thing um, like the slotty stone or something the like that. spawning stone. Spawning stone, yeah. something like that. And uh, we, in the process of developing 5th edition, said, hey, where'd that thing come from? And our idea basically was... Primus thought to impose some element of lawfulness in Limbo, and so Primus generated that, and essentially Primus created the Slotty Race. Oh. Yes. So he had, a, he had a grand scheme. Now Primus, as we've talked about in a previous entry of this show, is the overlord, overgod of Makanis and the Modrons. And has a, a sense of absolute order. And right. And they're limbo, lawful, lawful neutral. Lawful neutral. So Limbo would kind of chafe at him. He'd try to impose some order. And so this giant spindle-shaped rock stone was basically dropped into Limbo, limbo as a way for him to bring some order to the chaos. It's like an order bomb. Just yeah. being like, yep. here you go. Just by exactly. the, the this mere presence of this thing, it will impose some order. Mm-hmm. So now... Slotty, were they in Fiendfolio? They were. Okay, good. Got it yes. right this time. <laughs> um, uh, they created by the author Charlie Strauss. Did you, and for what reason? Do you know? What was his, uh, his inspiration? Freelance gig. <laughs> <laughs> Money. He I wanted assume. to get some frog people <laughs> out in the world somehow. He gave us both the, the Slotty and the Githyanki and the Gazari. Oh, so interesting. The Gith races and Slotty were from Charlie. That is interesting. Yeah. So one of the interesting things that happens is that so they're they're there in first edition they get used and so on and so forth, and then in second edition a weird switch happens where and I'm not sure it was a conscious switch on the part of designers or not, but um, the descriptions for them in the monster manual two or the outer plane appendix or whichever it was in second edition um, where uh, the slotty were first described. It didn't describe them the same way that it did in first edition. First edition is very clear. It says they have these marks in their head that mark rank and or gems in their head or something like that. Gems, yeah. and, and then they have different colors. And in first edition, that got changed to the marks in their head just to signify rank and color. Mm. And so 
you'll see in like Planescape depictions, all the slod look the same. They're just a green frog. And it's because they did, there was a decision with Planescape then that, oh, well, it's just the gem in the head that tells you what color they are. Otherwise, they're all the same. So it was even more like all the slot look alike and so on and so forth. Yeah. Huh. And then that kind of got flipped again back in uh, third where we were like, no, 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 the color thing makes sense. And, and we actually introduced even more colors in third. Yeah. Then we got white slots and gold slots and black slots and oh, slots, 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 every color. It, it's the same. It's a rainbow slot. <laughs> if Everyone there's a color loves. out there, there must be a slot to match it. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so the spawning stone, when it spits out a slot, it implants a gemstone in its skull. And the gemstone is a certain color related to the slot. And the slot is happy that it's there. But a smart wizard or other creature can learn or find a way to extract that gem and then gain control over that slot. Okay, so by holding the slot, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the, you have... It's you have a, a piece of its brain, basically, and it will now do whatever you tell it to until it gets that piece back, and then it will rip you to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. All right, so that's how they, that's how they ended up as servants for, for evil yeah. mages and that They're kind of They're interesting monsters because... Um, I believe we call them fiends here. Uh, no, they're aberrations. Interesting. Um... They are outer planar creatures that are neither devils nor demons, um, and they're not evil. Uh, so they kind of give you a different flavor of thug uh, to use in mm-hmm. your game. Because um, they don't—they just want to mess stuff up. They don't—they just want to live and they—they they just kind of follow their heart, baby. Um, yeah. They don't really care about anything or structure or laws or anything of that nature. They're, and they have no ethical moorings of any kind. They're. Yeah, I, I mean, I imagine that they just sort of spread and attack things and do stuff just for the hell of it, um, as opposed to you know having any sort of real plan. Although some right. of the, the most most powerful and most intelligent um, slot, slotty uh, do seem to have more of a yeah. personality. All the way effect. back to their founding in first edition, there's the concept of the slot lord, which is a super powerful slot that is created that can have more of an agenda and more of a plan. And there were a few of those who were introduced by name. Mm. One of them was Igor. Um, another was Sendam, which was the word madness spelled backward. Ah, ah. Clever. Yeah. Uh-huh. That and, makes uh, sense. Another one uh, that I'm familiar with is, um, has showed up in an adventure or two, is Basim Gorag. Um, he's a two-headed slod. Oh, is that common? No. You. But, you know, I mean, they're slots, so who so, knows? Yeah. <laughs> Every, everything's chaos, right? Exactly. So, so when they come out of uh, limbo into, into our plane, uh, how do they do that? Is it through vortexes and things like the Modron? The same, the same way that any other planar creature can find its way and it can be summoned by a powerful wizard or whatever. Yeah. Or blunder through a gate that is open at just the right time where it happens to be there and it can step through. Those, those tend to be the ways that it will get through. Yeah. Um, do they do they lose any power when they come out of there, or is it just nope? They have all their goods, yeah. and uh, you know, um, there's no t- there's no telling what they'll do because they're not evil, they're not malicious, they're not attacking or hurting necessarily because they're they don't like you. It's just something to do, and they might break off an attack midway and just go oh ice cream and wander over there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost hard as a you know, as a as a human brain, yeah. they're like the worst boss you've ever had. Yeah, yeah it's like there's no there's no rhyme or reason to anything. And right, you can't predict what they're going to do five minutes from now. Yeah, 
that you can't even evil creatures, at least you could protect, they're, they're going to be mean to you, they're going to bully you. They're going to be self-serving. Yeah, exactly, but with a slot, you just don't know. Yeah, I mean, is it going to attack and eat the cow, or, or ride the cow, or <laughs> ignore the cow? Like, right, yeah. Is it going to moo like the cow? What is it going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is the cow. The whole time, it's been a cow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when you're, uh, you know, thinking about using Slotty in your adventures, how, how would you, how would you introduce them and or have them be used? So in, um, Tomb of Annihilation, uh, there is a Slotty that's basically been bound to a tomb as a guardian and, but it's control gem is nearby. If you can find the control gem, Hey, you have a Slotty that can follow you around through the rest of the dungeon Mm. and will obey your commands. Uh, so that's one common way is they can just be used as guardians, uh, trapped or bound there or whatever, um, and they'll just fight you, fight whatever shows up because um, they're bored. Yeah. Um, I think the idea of the control gem is an important part of their character and mm. persona. So if you're going to deal with slot, Slotty, you should think about where their control gems are. Are they still in their skulls? Have somebody extracted it and thus you can use it and use the Slotty in some way um, as an instrument of Armageddon? Uh, and I think the other cool, another cool adventure that is used, Slotty, is an old dungeon adventure from issue, I want to say, 41. That may be, I think that's right. That's um, really old. It's really, really, really old. old. <laughs> Called, uh, Everybody well, in chat is just like, no way, dude, it's 42. <sighs> it might actually, no, it's not 41. It's, um, uh, whatever. One of the early <laughs> issues. Um, and it's called Jacob's Well where the heroes show up in a snowbound fort. And because the weather's so bad, they have to camp there for the night. And that night, they find everybody, there's like six other people living there or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and one of them, they find dead out in a barn somewhere with his chest exploded open. Uh. And there's a mystery involved. Why did his chest explode? And then you realize, oh, this is basically alien yeah, uh, in D anD D, and you or, have to go. You have to find the thing that burst out of him before it grows into a full size slot and murders you all. Yeah, yeah. interesting. I, I ran that adventure, and I think it ended with the player characters trapping everybody in like a basement or a cellar and setting the building on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I saw a bad way. Like, to go. Like, I don't care who it is; yeah. they're all going in the basement. Well, <laughs> and then even the, just the fact that it's in a uh, a winter thing makes me think of the thing too. Of like, yes. you don't know who maybe yes. someone else impregnated yes. that we don't know about. Yeah. Well, and even we, if you have like a controlled uh, slot, say you have you've, you have control over a red slot and can tell it what to do, uh, if that thing attacks somebody else, it's going to leave a pellet in that other person that could grow into a slot that you don't have control of. <laughs> then yes. you've got a problem on your hands. Uh, yes. So, uh, Well, that's a mechanical thing. So if the, if, if the blue creates this and it bursts out uh, or you know, a blue comes out, does it have a control gem on it when it bursts out? Yeah, they, they, they sort of are, are born, uh, created, whatever you want to call it, um, transformed uh, yeah. uh, with that in- intact to them. So Okay. Yeah. It's just part of their their spawning yeah. process that yeah. they have this this be a big part of it. Now, what about uh, the different powers of each of them? Like, is that you know the, what what do red slot do? What do blue slot do? What do what do uh, the gold and white? As you said, is it? Um, well, they, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, we don't really do gold and white. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it's too many colors. Forty three. Yeah, that's wrong. Forty three. Dungeon forty three. That's pretty darn close, though. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, the, sort of the lower order ones, like the blue and the red, are mainly just sort of um, uh, melee brutes. Grunts. Uh, but the green and the gray and the death, uh, they all have various um, spell casting abilities. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, the Death Slot can do fear and fireball and fly and cloud kill and plane shift and all kinds of crazy stuff. The other thing that the higher level ones can do also is change their form um, so that they look like people. Right. Mm, that's even creepier. Yeah. Which I, I just have to, like, I can't imagine it would actually be able to pull off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am a people. I'm it'd a be people. Like, it'd be like uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in uh, Men in Black. Or that's like, right. Yeah. Wear, uh, Edgar- Everything's fine here. <laughs> Move. He's wearing an Edgar Move. suit. An Edgar suit. <laughs> that guy walking down the street, kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we had some, uh, they have regeneration, many of them. Um, we had I mean, some, the artist had some fun with the depictions of the Slotty in the 5th edition Monster Manual. The green one's got a little monkey on his shoulder. That's pretty interesting. Because, you know, why not? Yeah. You're chaotic. They don't, if a monkey shows up, you might just be fine with that. Well, the green ones are, I think, made from blues by when they infect a spellcaster. Yeah, that's right. And so they are, they, that's how the you sort of get the higher order ones is when, uh, Sort of a they they get a spellcaster and infect a spellcaster and that transforms a spellcaster. So then yep. the higher order hat now has spellcasting ability. So then when they go and infect people, then they create. It's weird. Oh, yeah. that is interesting. Yeah. All right. So and is that like part? of... I'm just trying to think of like what like mm-hmm. a, a meta plot would be for 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 Slottie of the higher orders would be to like just infect as many you know. So that's why they target adventurers. They yeah. target you know powerful people. Hogwarts is going to be effed <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> They got enough reptiles <laughs> problems there, and then there's even more. Uh, that's that's interesting. Uh, so they're just like this element of chaos that you can add, and mm-hmm. and uh, you never know what's going to happen, even if it's just a random uh, 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 encounter with these with these creatures. If you find the eggs, do they do any of them hatch from eggs? No, no. they're just from other yeah. people. Yeah. They have weird ways of of transforming. Like a gray slot turns into a death slot by eating a death slot's corpse. Um, like they've all got a strange way of of of, cha- of transformation or creating another of their kind. Um, another interesting plot point is, or a plot idea is, you know, a slot comes rampaging in, murders a bunch of people, and you kill it, and it's missing its gem. And mm. the question is, well, who sent it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so the mystery becomes, who is the murderer behind the murderer? Um, and you can, if you can track the gem to its source, you might be able to identify who killed. Who unleashed the slot and why? Yeah, and you get to their house and it's just falling down. It's on fire. And there's hundreds of slotty <laughs> pouring out of it. <laughs> <laughs> more and more. Oops. It's just yeah. planned all along. Yeah. Now, does the slot who's who you have the control gem for? Uh, it can't do anything else but what you order it to do. Um, so it does what you want it to do, but if you don't like, if you don't tell it not to kill that, you know, right that farmer. It might kill that farmer. Yeah. You have to be specific, right? Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't just stand there and wait orders. It will behave as it will behave, doing whatever it's told to, when it has to. Right. So that's what I'm thinking. You know, it, that in that scenario that you yeah. like, maybe you just wanted to so kill all those people. You want to be very people. careful when you're dealing with it. You like, you want to say, sit in that corner and don't move until I give you another instruction. Yeah. Then it's got to be like a. <laughs> like, wow. But I'm an agent of chaos. I want to change color. And, do and then he's things. like using his nails to dig holes in your wall. And <laughs> <laughs> Put little pellets of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, does it have to be people? That's an actually yeah. an interesting question. Does it have to be people that are get the pellets, or can it put put it in rats? Can it be put in? Um, in fifth it's, edition, a, it's fifth edition. It's a humanoid creature. Yeah, it does have to be people in fifth edition. I'm not sure about previous editions. I don't. I don't know for. I'm not sure we were ever that careful certain. with the rules back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Because you think that that all you need is one slot in any yeah. uh, uh, area, and then all of a sudden, but a slot born out of a pigeon, I'm just not sure. Yeah, yeah, that that, that goes back to the, <laughs> in third edition. Uh, the uh, my favorite thing was the the infinite shadows because a, a shadow that kills a creature becomes a shadow. Yeah, and so just the the shadow going through a forest is killing bugs. Made a shadow out of that bug. <laughs> oh man, I hate to get bit by bug shadows. Yeah. Let's see. Very interesting. All right, so uh, if people have any other questions about uh, Slotty, uh, how can they get in touch with you guys? Uh, I am on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. I am also on Twitter at, at Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. I am also on Twitter at, uh, at, not at those places, but at Greg Tito. And Matt, I feel as furiously looking up more stuff about Slotty. So I was just trying to see if it, if it, if it made up, uh, if there was any rules on what it could, it could infect. And I do not see any rules. All right. So, so a clever DM original, would be able original. to use it in uh, infecting yeah. dogs and cats. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. All right, thank you guys. We'll have another Allure You Should Know and or Sage Advice uh, next week. Thank you. Uh, That was a really good segment on Slod, and now I want to invite more Slotty to dinner. Yeah, because they uh, are always just a joy. Is that true? That is I do enjoy a slod for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the side uh, next to your uh, hot dog and potato chips. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of slod. <laughs> Some slotty. Yep. Some coal slotty. Oh, oh, no, you yeah. did. Yeah, we rough. did. We totally did. For that. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. We are here to talk to <laughs> Greg Marks, who is uh, calling in via video conferencing. Hello. 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 Where are going? you calling from? I am calling from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, oh the hi, good Milwaukee. land. Milwaukee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also true. known as the good land. I was there this past summer. Uh, uh, we should have we should have hung out, Greg, and then I could have killed you because there can be no more good. <laughs> what were you here for? I came, uh, my Greg buddies and I, we, we, we had flown to uh, various places to go to see baseball games. We hadn't been to see Miller Park. Okay. And uh, we went to Chicago most recently, and we're like, let's not go to Chicago again. Let's go to Milwaukee. And Did like, you see right, the sausage racing? We saw the sausage racing. That is racing. my favorite thing ever. That was the main uh, reason to, we went. I, I was don't to think I still to this race. day have ever laughed as hard. It is. And like, I just experienced such joy watching. So let's say, hypothetically, mm-hmm. you don't know what sausage racing is. <laughs> Aside from picturing sausage. What do you think it is, Bill? I'm so, really curious to see what you think it is. I'm picturing dachshunds in really silly no. costumes. Costumes running around. Mm. Close. Oh, no. Because sausages can't perambulate, but... Uh, uh, they can in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> Our sausage is at feet. Where do you think sausage comes from? It runs to your door and gets in your yeah. icebox and Hello. gets ready to get cooked. So so someone, before we jump in all this awesome D&D Adventures League stuff, sausage racing? Sausage so, racing. Uh, there became this thing in the aughts of the 90s where they would do fun stuff during the seventh inning uh, okay. in baseball parks. Uh, and <laughs> one of them, correct me if I'm wrong, you might know this this better, Greg. Good, keep going. Uh, and one of the ones that were introduced was uh, this at Miller Park where uh, there was four brands of sausage that, that got in on this. And yeah. uh, they, a guy dresses up in a, uh, a costume or a woman dresses up in a Don't costume know. suit and they run it's around the park. a very long, tall, skinny costume. During a break yeah. between innings and it's just as funny and, and there's so, you know, people fall. fall down. And You've got, uh, they're, they're all quite more or less, you know, ethnically inappropriate. You've got the German sausage in his later hosen and the chorizo <laughs> sausage with what? his 
big sombrero and you've got a hot dog dressed in a United States like flag type costume thing and et cetera. Yeah, and they usually get like volunteers, right? Like it's not people who oh, are who are know how to run. In, but I in think these some things. of them are. A lot of them are college students. Last I saw. Oh really? That yeah. makes sense. I want to now. I want to do it now. I actually want yeah. to like volunteer to be in yeah. the in the thing, and so they run around and it's funny and it's like uh, yeah. well, it's so most fun. everyone's drunk by then, so it's the best 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 part of the park. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I would go to it, see like three hours. It's Wisconsin, so to get in with your ticket, you have to drink a pitcher, <laughs> unless you're under five, and then it's only a pint. Well, that's fair. This, ha- having been there once, I can I actually believe you. No, that's very true. Yeah, yeah, it's and true. it has to be an old fashioned. <laughs> oh well, that's your drink after the. That's your chaser. Oh, that's your chaser. Okay, okay. I like I gotcha. Yeah, unless you're yeah. six, and then it's a uh, uh, Shirley Temple's your chaser. Yeah, 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 because that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, you guys are part of the group uh, called the D and D Adventurers League, yes. uh, which has been around for years and years and years. Came from the uh, RPGA kind of thing, right? Is that where the, the organized play of yeah. of Dungeons and Dragons has been around for, for years? It is a continuation of that fine tradition. Um, what would you say uh, OP really took off in the form we recognize? Like Living City, maybe? Well, Living City would be the first that people recognize. What is Living yeah. City for those of us who don't know? Hypothetically, don't know what Living City Asking is. Asking for a friend. Asking. So... <laughs> Back, it's uh, it's what was it, 90, oh, I'm going to forget, I'm going to forget the exact year, regardless. Late so 90s? they had this idea that in the, they were going to have the chance to take your character and come play at a convention, play adventures, and then you would level up and you'd take it with you and you'd bring it back to the next convention. It's basically how we do it now. And it was set in the Forgotten Realms, just like we were, but it was set in the city of Raven's Bluff. And that's why it was Living City. Interesting. So the living part is that your character follows you around to all of these. Right. Things. Yep. I could go to, uh, like, when this is done, because I really dig D&D, who, who would have thought, I'm actually <laughs> going to the inaugural night of a uh, new Adventures League game at a lovely uh, bar over in um, West Seattle called yeah. the Two Finger Social Club. Oh. Um, so we're going to go over there. Over in White Center. Yeah. yeah. Wait, they're doing one. D&D events? Yeah. Just tonight is the first one. Are you kidding me? Because Shelly's just... going. I want to go. Shelly, I will <laughs> send you the meetup invite. So the, I, um, side note, diver, side the West Seattle blog, which I'm a very big <laughs> fan of. <laughs> but, but I remember them re- like posting about this new club opening, but I didn't know that they did gaming events. They, you know what, myself and uh, the Beerbarian, Douglas Bailey, went down there. Whoa. Bum, bum, bum. And, uh, he was just talking about the That's because he's awesome. Beerbarian. We went in there and talked to the owners. The owners said, hey, we would love to have you guys Monday night. So oh now my God. Adventures League there. What the hell was I talking about? So, ah, all right, going from sorry. Living City this is so exciting. to then Living Greyhawk. Right. Yep. Which was the idea that you could then play in the yeah. uh, uh, you know the default setting that was D&D at mm-hmm. that time was Greyhawk. So you yep. could take that and you could go play it and it was following the same rules so everybody could feel like yeah. you were on you, the same same pace. You could go to a you can go to a living Greyhawk game anywhere, just like now. If I play an Adventures League character in West Seattle and then uh, let's say in February I'm going to Winter Fantasy where I will see Greg and a bunch of other cool people that I generally only get to see at shows, I can play that same character at Winter Fantasy. Boom. Yeah, with people that I only get to see when I travel around the country. Right, and there's also the element of like a uh, almost like MMO, like for lack of a better term, to say that like that there's 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 other things that you can interact with that are in this meta game. Correct. Yeah, there's there's yeah. persistence. There's a there's an overarching narrative that you participate in. It's like being in a really really big, really big home game. 
mm. with thousands yeah. and thousands of people. Oh, that's good. Okay. I like that. But you're all different levels. Yes. When you go to different shows, so yes. how are you pairing each other up? Are that's a fantastic question, Shelley. Thank Shelley. You. Um, we have our, our levels are broken into different level ranges. So levels one through four, levels okay. five through ten, eleven through sixteen, seventeen through twenty. Okay. So you and you together. can you can play together potentially in, for example, it used to be called interactives. We call them epics now. Yeah. So you can't sit at the same table with your second level character as someone who's sixteen, but you're in the same room playing parts of the same fight, and your tables interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in some parts of it, you could actually interact. Like if there's a, a more social interactive part, your characters could cross paths. Like you might know something that the 16th level character needs to know to finish their next part. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Oh, so that's the, cool. so the, the, they could act as NPCs almost in other people's well, it's, things? It's, it's like you're still playing your PC. It's just that sometimes you'll get up and, and trade information with other tables. Yeah. Like oh. maybe you, for example, fought the goblins and the goblins had a map, but it's a map of an area that's not on your battlefield. And you talk to the 16th level guy, oh wait, it's a thing they need to know. And so you could hand that off to them and then they, when they go back to their table to play their next encounter, it's a value to them. Cool. Yep. Um, and so there have been a season for so you know that was Living Greyhawk and then it kind of went to Living Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. and 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 no. into and many incarnations until fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm I'm skipping through a lot of history. That's there. perfectly acceptable. Uh, and then there's been a season for each of the major campaigns that have come yep. uh, for Dungeons and Dragons in yep. this edition. So there was the Tyranny of Dragons campaign. Mm-hmm. Then there was Princes. Then there was Out of the Abyss, yep. right? And so each one has had like a series of adventures that you could now purchase on the Dungeon Masters Guild that would you'd be playing in the same content that everybody else in exactly. the Adventurers League is playing. Yes. And so what we do, we craft, we have our narrative that kind of, um, it, it works with the hardcover book so that you can play the hardcover. You can play that with your Adventures League character and then decide, you know what, we're going to maybe want a little bit more XP and a little different experience before we go back into this part of the hardcover. So then you can go out and play some Adventures League adventures, jump back into your hardcover, and uh, it's a it's really a seamless experience yeah. that you can then share with a whole bunch of different people. And the story is not the same. The story, it's ancillary. It's yes. like stuff that's in the same vein, but not necessarily. Exactly. Uh, 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 you're not going to be repeating content. Yes. Right? Exactly. Does that make sense, Shelley? Yes. Now, what do you Sounds guys awesome. do for the Adventurers League? Well, uh, Greg and I are responsible for wrangling our authors. So we have, what, how many adventures do we have this season? 18, not including epics? Uh, 19, I think, isn't it? You say how many what? Did adventures. You? Adventures. Because yes. there's, the last trilogy is actually four. That's right. So, not, so 19 adventures, that's potentially 19 different authors. Then we have our epic adventures. There's authors for that. We have community-created content or convention-created content, which is um, adventures that conventions create specifically for their show. So we help make sure that that gets from kind of flash to bang, that it gets done appropriately and can get released for people to play. So we wrangle the authors. Um, once they're done getting their adventure written and reviewed by our uh, content team, who will be on this amazing program later this month, I think. That's correct. Yes. After they give it the once-over, they go back, revise it, we put it out into the wild for people to play, and then Greg and I are responsible for making sure that the, the conventions who need content, so people actually show up and play and have a good time, we make sure that they get that. Greg, was that all right? Was that correct? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I mean, we <laughs> we also help provide support, right? Yeah. Like any kind of support conventions, we're, we're one of your go-tos for, 
hey, I have a convention or I need help yep. getting my convention together. That's another thing we do. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, I'd say that our team is in some ways we we pick up each other's slack. There's definitely mm. times when one group has a particularly challenging task and, of course, everybody pitches in. So yeah. there's some of that as well. Teamwork makes the dream work, baby. So yeah. right. 19 adventures, and these are only playable at conventions? No, they are people no, play at home, okay. at a store, at a but convention. anything that's being written for the Adventurers League is coming through you guys. Yes. Yeah. Whoa. And that, I remember that was a that was a change because it used to be stores and was the, the, where we would supply this stuff. And then when, yeah. when the yep. introduction of the Dungeon Masters Guild, uh, when Chris Lindsay came on and talked to us about this, gosh, that was like what two years ago? Yeah. I think it was around the same time, huh? about two yeah, years ago, uh, when we first introduced that. Then you could, anybody could play and use that, get that content, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, the the purchase price of that on the dungeon. Uh, the Dungeon Masters Guild, which is only like four bucks around that for, it, it, or less, yeah, or less, yeah, um, goes to help help uh, uh, pay, uh, pay the authors, so the people yep. who are, are putting the money towards it. So uh, everything that you purchase goes towards them. Yep. So what's the lead time on getting nineteen adventures done for a season? How how far in advance are you guys working? About nine months to a year. Yeah, I would say fifteen to nine months, depending yeah. on what it is. Yeah, I'd we'll say sixteen to nine. Well, because we have it depends on when <laughs> well, when the planning meetings hit. Because yeah. we often have planning meetings at beginning of the year and end of the year. Yeah. So it's sort of like September and February, whenever Winter Fantasy is. Yeah. So yeah, we're actually and not going, all seasons are the same length. So yeah, exactly. We're gonna be talking about season eight. Um, which actually there are parts of season eight that Greg and I both uh, contributed to uh, creating. Um We'll be talking about what that's going to look like here. I think Chris Lindsay said next week. So yeah, that is cool. About to happen. Yeah, and Chris Lindsay is the uh, 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 the architect of this uh, uh, whole. He's program. a boss. Yeah. Yep. And a lovely fellow. Lovely. I you a lovely fellow, Chris. <laughs> he's, he's you should rub his head. He likes it when you do that. He does not Just like. I don't think it. that's true. I don't think that's true. He does not. Please don't do that. <laughs> Everyone should do that. But you're going to need to have a drink in your hand when you do it to hand to him. It's, it's like the cost. It. That's, well, yeah. This makes sense. I stuck a butterfly on his head once, and he uh, let me take his picture. So, uh, true. Greg, when did you start playing Dungeons & Dragons? Uh, I played my first game at the age of six. Wow, really? And I played in the open, yeah. You what open did you play in? The D&D open. The only one? Well, the open at, uh, it was at UW Parkside. I, I can actually tell you this story if you want. It's quite yes. hilarious. Yeah. My my father uh, heard about this thing called Gen Con, and a friend of his played war game miniatures. So my parents were divorced, divorced, and he's like, I'll take you to this thing. You'll like it. There'll be games. It'll be cool. So here I am in a hallway playing with, uh, uh, I think it was a G.I. Joe, and this big adult, mind you, I realize now he was probably about 19, comes <laughs> up and says, hey, kid, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm playing with my G.I. Joe. <laughs> and he's like, great, you're playing D&D with me. Come with me. And he walks up to the person who's mustering, and he says, this is our alternate. Oh my- and I realize now it's round two of the open, and somebody didn't show. Oh. And, then, and the guy who's mustering goes, this is your alternate. You he's were like, six? Yeah. Where was your dad? <laughs> uh, my dad was actually off playing a minis game. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I sit down at the table okay. and the other guy's like, here, you're playing the fighter. Roll this D20 when I tell you. I kicked down a lot of doors. We killed a lot of orcs. 
needless to say, we did not advance. Oh, <laughs> but that was your but first you introduction. Six years old. He's yeah, like, that was my age. first D and D game. That's a, that's a hoot. Nice. All right, so uh, uh, in order to get my, my kid to start playing Dungeons & Dragons, I'm just going to drop him off at a D&D yeah. convention. Yeah, just, just leave just him at a show. Him. Bring her down yeah. to Two Finger Social. Okay? Yeah, that's a great idea. Just, just leave yeah, her we'll there. Get college up. kids and see if they'll uh, tutor him. I love that. exactly what we teach our kids not to do. Oh, just All she needs is a bindle full of dreams, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, the right, and the right college kid. I'm playing with my we, She's got Joe. that. She has got that for sure. That's Little so does that 19-year-old know what he started what he ignited yeah, I have no in idea you that guy was anymore either <laughs> that guy <laughs> was was ed greenwood <laughs> <laughs> no ed was already like 40 I've been, uh, then. then then from that i mean i've been involved in i've been one of the admins of every just about every op program since living greyhawk since then so when you were seven, they were like, we need you back. <laughs> <laughs> we need you to start writing some adventures. <laughs> no, I think I, was, I just, like, started college. That's really cool. Like, yeah. Well, being in Wisconsin helps. I mean, there was, there was definitely a oh, lot yeah. of homegrown. In the water. Yeah. There's d d in the water. <laughs> Lit- literally. Yeah. I, I, in fact, used to live in Lake Geneva. That's so. a, it's a beautiful town. Yeah. You just, I remember going on my birthday to get some sushi once. And the only other person eating in the restaurant was Gary Gygax. Aw, uh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Did he slay? Was he, was he having a dragon roll? No. <laughs> Good actually. Damn it. The, the Good waitress one. started walking me towards him. Like, for some reason, I'm like, YouTube is she going to see me at the table with Gary Gygax? <laughs> Am I going to get to eat lunch because it was my birthday with Gary Gygax? And then she sat me like one table over and I'm like, oh, of course. Why would I even have thought that? Aww, but I got all excited. Like, then he just stared Gary down while he was having his 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 California role. <laughs> I love your work. I want to be you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's pretty interesting. That's awesome. What about you, Bill? When did you start playing Dungeons and Dragons? My story is nowhere near as cool as Greg's. Make one up. I Told you. It's D&D. No, are you? No, you tell the real one and then tell us the made up one after. Okay, okay. Yeah. I feel better now about lying because uh, this is make believe. No, I started playing when I was about eight. Uh, Late and bloomer. Yeah. Compared, I know. Compared, compared, to compared, to, compared to Greg. <laughs> I, I could have taught you how to play the game. Exactly. <laughs> he over. would be the, the older kid. Exactly. So I was actually in Colorado, so nowhere close to, uh, to uh, Lake Geneva. But I had these two, the cul de sac I lived in, I had these two neighbor kids that played D&D, and to that point, I had only ever gone, there's a Walden Books, like, right down the street, and Walden Books had this thing, it was the For monster our man. listeners who don't know what Walden Books is. Yeah. <laughs> or what bookstores are. <laughs> so, you know, Barnes & Noble, make it really small, and with none of the multimedia, you got Walden Books. There just you go. Books. Uh, just books. It's very, very analog. I like that there was a Massachusetts accent for that, because yes. that was where yes. Walden Books was from. Is that what that was? Kinda. <laughs> Don't make fun of my muddled accent. <laughs> so uh, I kept seeing this book, and it had this, this, like these awesome pencil drawings all through it called the Monster Manual. And I would go and annoy the holy hell out of the staff that worked at the Walden Books because this nerdy kid would sit and just read through the Monster Manual and deities and demigods because it had all these cool monsters in it. And that was the coolest thing. And then my, my neighbor friend said, hey, you should totally, that's Dungeons and Dragons, you should totally play with us. And I did. And then my mom said I was going to start worshiping the devil. Oh. And it was the 80s. It was the yeah. 80s. Yeah. So um, I did for a little while. Start worshiping the yeah, devil. Yeah, this, t- this is a tiny bit. Which one was it? The, uh, uh, it, was, it was Moloch. Okay. I, uh, oh. was a, I was a total <laughs> He's Moloch the one that's groupie. in the pug suit, right? Yeah, he is in a pug. I really yeah. enjoy pugs, by the way. Um, 
Just as an aside. That's just as an aside. We learned so much. Devil worshiping. Pugs. Um, they can go hand in hand. No, that. seriously, yeah. my mom tried to, uh, more my mom than my dad, like, no, absolutely not. You will not do this because it will warp your brain and you will lose your soul. Mm-hmm. And that was 20, crap. So that brain is looking pretty warped. Yeah. By, uh, thanks, Moloch. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been playing since I was eight, and I've, I've played other role-playing games. I had a bit of a hiatus when I joined the military, and then uh, when I moved out here to Washington State, my best friend of many years, um, over 22 now, one of the other admins, Mr. Travis Woodall, said, Hey, you should totally come play this game of Dungeons & Dragons. I got this new third edition. It's pretty awesome. And I went from being a player to I was an administrator for Living Greyhawk and then for Living Forgotten Realms, and then uh, when this job came open, I said, Man... This new edition is awesome. I want to. This is something I want to keep doing, helping people have fun. That's pretty cool. Here That's actually pretty pretty analogous to my story with the uh, with the with the devil worshiping and the and the and the not Greg. being able to play Greg. until uh, uh, you know I, I, I was like I can make my own decisions. Darn right. Mm-hmm. I can yeah. eat ice cream for dinner. I can worship devils if I want to, mom. So <laughs> exactly, yeah. but only in the game, right? Yeah, so exactly. It's, 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 it's exactly. so you kept playing. Even though she said you can't, you couldn't play. She basically forbade me. Man, I hope my, my mom doesn't watch Twitch. She's technologically illiterate, so I can say all these things. She won't hear about it. Um, Does she listen to podcasts? No. no. <laughs> so she said, uh, "He Man, no, Satanic, Dungeons and Dragons, no, Satan." Basically, everything was all the cool Teddy things. Teddy Ruxpin. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Te- Teddy Ruxpin's the worst one out of the bunch. Yeah, yeah that golem-like little bear. Yeah. No, man. No. You take the, the, the cassette tape out and then you press a button and he still talks he still and you're talks. like, what, I took the cassette tape out? No, it's I, clearly... No, it's I want to be off. your friend. <gasps> no! <laughs> only Satan would say that. <laughs> <laughs> or a pug. Oh my God. Or, a pug. or a pug. Or a, or a pug. That's um, true. Uh, yeah, so well, that's pretty interesting that you went and it, what, so what, what's been the the through line through the the organized play that you kind of see from when it started to to what we're doing now? The through line for me is it is um, for all the stigma that gets associated with gamers. Like, oh, they live in the basement. It is uh, it is an innately collaborative endeavor that brings people together who might not normally have a good social outlet, mm. all right? Maybe they don't want to go to the bar or whatever, but this brings them together, allows them to be creative and express themselves and have fun and make new friends, and that's really the the through line for me is it's a way to... The best friends I have in my life, with the exception of a couple, are all people that I met gaming. Hmm. Oh, all yeah. people that I met through gaming. That's so, one all of my about favorites. the social. I yep. see that at, at conventions a lot. Mm-hmm. That I've been at a table with people who didn't know each other, mm-hmm. and they've left the table together. They'll be like, "Oh, I'll take you there. Let's go. Let's, Let's go, go have lunch." Beer, or, yeah, like or like they're yeah. like, "Like, oh my god, they're friends. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet." But yes, I think that is that's very noble of you. That is the that and is the through line. It happens. Makes sense. The golden thread. I've seen it happen. Golden thread. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's fine. It's I mean, I don't want to keep harping on the uh, the eighties. Uh, like we do, but we can. But that was so what one 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 criticism that my my parents said was like, oh, I knew someone who did this, and they didn't have any friends, and that's you know, it was because of the Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, well, it might have been something else that yeah. that reason mm-hmm. that kid didn't have any and friends. He probably had friends because yeah. he did play Dungeons. And exactly. exactly, and things like you know, Stranger Things exactly. and things like that has kind of hammered that point home that it's like about camaraderie and and uh, uh, you don't get that kind of shared experience, you know, doing anything else really, no. literally any other game. Yeah. Anything? No, I, no I, I wouldn't. I don't even just say game. I want to say activity. 
There's something. That's there a, is something about that though, because you always hear these origin stories. They always start with like the neighbor or the a random 19 year old uh, stranger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but somebody. Uh, maybe actually we don't hear that one that often. <laughs> but you're like the neighbor, the, the older sibling, whoever. But like there's always like the group, the friends, and they're together still. Like, it's yeah. my gaming group, or you know, years and years and years. And I don't, I don't have friends from that far back. I didn't play D and D when I was little. If okay. you had, who knows? I wish but, I had. All right, but that's why we're hey. going to Binghamton, New York. Yes. It's yes, uh, randomly how I met Chris Tulak for the first time in a Walden book. No way. I just read that. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, I totally picked up a D and D book off a shelf, and all of a sudden I hear behind me, "Hey, do you play D and D?" I love D and D. And then he comes up and he starts starts talking to me, and I'm like, oh, yep. "Who is this?" And he never, I can just stop picture him. He's still talking to you at that Walden book right now. <laughs> and then we ended up being High Folk uh, admins together in, back in the LG days. So what is High Folk? What, what is that? Uh, uh, back in Living Greyhawk, every state or a couple of states, based on number of average players in the RPGA, had its own region. And Wisconsin, being one of the most active of states, was by itself. It wasn't grouped with anyone else because we had large play numbers. And so uh, High Folk is a region in Greyhawk with elves and forests and orcs. And one of our big our big bad is I use the evil, who at that time right. was uh, Mr. Jason Bullman. And there's uh, is yeah. he still? Yeah. yeah, he's pretty much still yeah, is okay, the evil. I use <laughs> has been a, a bad guy for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's cool. I, I like that, that regionality where you're like, oh, the, we're from we're from a place. And then so therefore we're like on the same, yeah. you know, so we were in charge region. of writing the adventures from that area. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I love that. I, I mean, the b- people in here have been kind of lashing onto it too. the idea of like there being this 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 cooperation and meta like story and stuff. And I, I, I love and even you mentioned the uh, uh, the magic item emporium that you can buy stuff and that like yeah. becomes part of it. Like. I, I, Although I, you didn't mention that when we were recording. Oh, all right. So before we that? were recording, <laughs> <laughs> to you, recap, let me take you back in time. Uh, no, there is uh, one of the things that that Greg and I uh, work with a pretty considerable number of shows now. Uh, well, actually, before I jump into Fight Chen, the first year of the Adventures League, we had it was about sixteen different uh, shows, like conventions, that yeah. asked for support. Uh, at the close of 2017, we had over 362 what? requests for content at different shows. And oh that's my God. From Worldwide? Russia, Italy, Australia, New Zealand, Brazil. Brazil. Um, that's like t- like a 2,000% growth right there. It feels oh. like it. Does it get localized? Is that, does that math check out? <laughs> I actually think that he's probably low. <laughs> Is it low? Yeah. It's a 3,000% jump. and That's a lot. But it's it, it's fantastic because it shows how much people have latched onto it, and the fact that these like either shows that didn't exist or growing, or you have smaller shows that are getting big, big shows that are getting bigger. Like it's it's fantastic to see that level yeah. of enthusiasm. Well, I was telling Shelly about uh, me playing. I played in a D&D Adventures League yes. thing uh, on Friday night at uh, uh, Game Porium uh, in Delridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and there are three tables. They were full. There were people being turned away because there there wasn't enough dungeon masters there to to serve it. And well, it's not a big time, place. There's you like go be the dungeon master. That's what I'm gonna do. 
I'm gonna blow it up. Well, I'll play in your game. Sweet. Um, but yeah, no, there's just I, I feel like there's more and more events like that where it's mm-hmm. it's standing room only, and more and more people want to get into it. And this is a great what D and D Adventures League does is it is it gets past the so do you want to play a game? Let's find it. Let's go f- oh, get a location. Yeah, Who's gonna host? Yep. What are we gonna play? And like it, you get through a lot of that socialness, you can just sit down with the character that you made, and you can just play. instantly start playing. Yep. And even those people who don't really super enjoy playing in a public space. You still go and you meet people and maybe that's how you start up your home group, right? Uh, There's plenty of friends I play with online or even in person now that still don't like to go to cons or not nearly as much as I do. But I wouldn't have met them if not for the RPGA or the Adventures League. Actually, we I'm glad you mentioned that, Greg. We actually there is a show down in Dallas that was put on by uh, a veteran who created a convention specifically, the way he set it up was specifically for people who were had a mobility impairment or maybe they, um, yeah. they did not particularly care for being in, uh, in you know, public places because of uh, you know, various phobias or whatnot, but uh, created a space where they could come and play or people could connect via, uh, you know, remotely, mm-hmm. and he kind of brought it all together, people that wouldn't normally be able to go to a convention, bam, Adventures League, and I have a convention that, you can right. play at. So I was talking about Fai Chen, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right. yes. I was talking about who Please. is Fai Chen? <laughs> Fai Chen is a uh, a merchant of some renown who travels the Forgotten Realms, uh, and uh, he's able to procure various and sundry uh, magical and mundane items, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, in reality, Fai Chen is a uh, he's it's items basically that people can purchase or trade for their characters, and uh, sh- uh, different conventions or larger game days request it. We send the packet of information out to them, and then people go get to trade and barter and have a good time and find cool stuff for their characters. And it, and it has to be said that the economy is uh, controlled a bit. So yes. it's not just like, oh, one dungeon master can be like, you get 5,000 gold pieces. You get all the things. Now yeah. you can go shop at Fight Chen and get everything. Like There's yeah. a bit of, of, of rules of what, what uh, yeah. uh, you can get after each adventure exactly. based on how well you do or That's what you do. Very cool. Right? Yeah. The number of things you would... No, I'm kidding yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's controlled by the adventures, yeah. Which is interesting because it's an interesting design element to think about not just what's going to happen at your table. Because, uh, you know, we don't always think about that even here on the podcast when we're talking about what, uh, uh, like, oh, well, what, what matters at your table matters, you know, right? Like, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing at another table. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, is everybody at your table having fun? But you guys have to think about many thousands of tables, Mm-hmm. And uh, right. different levels. Yeah, Greg, Greg, maybe you could talk a little bit about the, the challenges of, of designing for, for that number of people. Uh, well, it's, it's always rough because you know that whatever somebody gets, they're going to take to somebody else's table. And maybe that DM doesn't have exactly the same play style. So you have to be you have to control that. And so when you think about adding Fai Chen into that, uh, we have a trade system where if you want to trade an item, it has to be the same rarity, so you basically keep the power level the same. Anything that you can buy with gold is either a consumable or sort of a novelty thing, like you'll see in chat. A lot of people are excited about some of the pets and mounts and more creative things we've done. Like, you can, in fact, you can buy a gambling debt uh, is one of the ones that's currently in this season, which buy is a, a, a gambling great debt? background. Yeah, you can bet with. Uh, and that you sounds may like know a bad him. gamble. You can bet with a troll named Big Trevor. He might be near you somewhere. And, oh, Mr. Uh, Kid? And you lose, and you end up owing Trevor a whole bunch of gold. And then every adventure you roll, and Trevor does something to try and get his gold back from you. 
And this keeps going on until you roll enough bad things where potentially you can you can basically get your your money and perhaps a benefit back from Trevor. Wow. So we, we do a lot of nifty things like that, like creative mm -hmm. things that are fun but won't change the power level of your game. So, so your friend who goes to the convention and comes back, he might have this cool role-playing shtick, but it isn't going to – he doesn't have a plus five holy adventure because he, he managed to go to a con. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. I like that. So can you walk us through the writing process? Like where do you find your writers? Do you assign them the task? Do you say we need this, this story, we need this story, we need this location, this level? Or do they come up with that? And what's your involvement? Those are fantastic questions, Shelly. I am Shelley. nailing it today. You are killing it. So that's a good question. So... Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what a theme song. Well, we're gonna Rogers and Hammerstein you out of here, so it's gonna be it's gonna be good. You're gonna oh, get your yeah. own. Oh yeah. So, um, basically, we uh, every season actually we work with the story bible that's here at Wizards that kind of gives us the the overarching um, you know details of what the season's gonna be about. From there, we sit down as a group and we come up with uh, Who's the group. The group would be myself, uh, Mr. Craig Marks. Uh, Claire Hoffman, Travis Woodall, Alan Patrick, and Lisa Chen. Oh, okay. So we all, all people know. will be talking yeah, to we'll over the next month or so here on Dragon Talk. Wow. <laughs> so uh, we come together. We come up with a story arc that's going to complement what's going to be uh, in the hardcover. Okay. And then we think of what level ranges. So you want some low, mid, high level play. Right. Okay. We think of what uh, magic items and kind of things are going to be in those, and we come with a just a a paragraph or less synopsis of what the adventure is going to be about. What's the beat? You guys come up with yes, that. Yes, we okay. come up with that, and then we have all those concepts. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the DMs Guild has been a boon for finding people to, uh, see? to write. So write for the, the, the DMs, DMs Guild. Guild. So go through there and look at not just, oh, look, Matthew Mercer sold a million copies of the thing. Well, yeah, he's Matthew Mercer. He's super popular. But we look for other people who've written quality items that are well-reviewed, and then I reach out to them and say, hey, how would you like to write an adventure with us? Uh, in one case, actually, at uh, you know, Meeple's Games in West Seattle. We yes. do, indeed. There is a lovely employee there who, who was running a game for a group of tweens. And is this the D&D camp person? Yeah. Runs D&D camp. She was... Her, her ideas were so innovative and so interesting. I said, hey, you would be really good for the next season that we're writing. And then I think she cried a little. But then she got over it, and she said, yes, I will totally write for you. So, oh. yeah, it's stuff like that. Other times people just reach out to us, say, hey, could I write an adventure? All right, well, send us a writing sample. Yeah. And there we go. And then you assign CCCs as well. Yes, same thing. Make sure. So that's another great way uh, the, the con-created content is about there's about six times as much of it in the pipeline as there is for our regular Adventures League adventures. Mm -hmm. So we, since they have to be written to the same style and format as our adventures, they're easy to review, and they still get a lot of AL play, and we can see how those those authors do. That's a great proving ground for, yeah. for people as well. And then say, why don't you come write a write a story for the, the main storyline? And then, yeah. yeah. How exciting. It is exciting. So we obviously can't talk about season eight. Even uh, it's gonna be great, super. Well, we all know that. I mean, like, yeah, just, yeah right. I mean, yeah. I know it, what it is, and it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it I'm, is. Gonna, I'm gonna tell you all in chat right now. I just kidding. Um, I don't actually. Don't. 
<laughs> but tell us about season seven. What's been going on in the in the Tomb of Annihilation Tomb- storyline? Well, that's uh, we're up to. I think this month, out of the nineteen adventures we've released up through number ten. As of January, off the top of my head, oh, do you do? I believe we're at ten. Yeah. So, yeah, is, that, is it a staggered release? Talk about that a little bit. So we usually like for this one, we re- we did kind of a preview adventure for Origins. That was the for, typically the first adventure of every season. Is like five mini adventures, kind of pop together, and it's good for new players and it's good for we we use it to kind of get the flavor and, and feel of what the campaign is is going to be like. Um, then we kind of sprinkle in some low, mid-level content, and then for this year, towards the end of the season, uh, because the hardcover caps at 12, 10, something like that? 11 to 12, 11 yeah. 11 to 12. So then we write content that still deals with kind of the aftermath of the hardcover adventure. Oh, mm-hmm. um, That's true. yes. This, man, I don't want to... The wanna denouement. Get, uh, the we've, denouement. We've announced a little bit that... You go for it. When that, when that hardcover away. ends, the big bad, everybody knows it's the Lich Azarek. Yeah. When when what? that ends and you stop, <laughs> it's it's on the cover. I'm not I'm not spoiling. I thought that was my uncle, Greg. Yes. Greg. Well, it is your uncle. It's right. the, it's just dies. No, no. no. What's <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna ruin me? Once that, <laughs> once that actually ends, his plot has had worldwide ramifications Mm -hmm. and there's some big players that have decided to get involved uh and that's our tier three and tier four content comes out right basically once the hardcover ends by players you mean you mean other big dads in the world yes okay steeped in lore yeah it has a lot to do with a particular big bad who is sort of entombed in chult a really, really major big bad. Is it Ayus? It is not. <laughs> but that would be perfect. I thought that, right, because there's some Greyhawk, uh, uh, you know, uh, with a Sararak. <laughs> Man. Well, in my head canon, it's Ayus. I'm just throwing it out Do there. Do you ship it? <laughs> it's real. Yes. Is it shipped? Yeah. My, my stepdaughter taught me about ship it. So I kind of use it. Inappropriately, sometimes. It, it, I don't think that was appropriate, but I think those two big bads should be hanging they, out together. They are now shipped. They <laughs> heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Greg Tito, <laughs> shipping the big bad. We're, shi- we're shipping the bad all over the place. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to get out before that tor- terrible joke happens uh, uh, about what you guys do for the for for D and D Adventures League? Um. The thing I wanted to say for those who are interested, like in starting up a convention, or uh, you want some content or some cool stuff um, for a show that you're already doing, or you want to learn more about what it takes to write for the D and D Adventures League, or whatever the case may be, submissions at D and D Adventures League.org. Shoot us an email and be happy to talk to you. And it's D N D. The letter N D. AdventuresLeague.org. There you go. Cool. What about you, Greg? Did you want to get out anything uh, else? My number one thing would be, because it, it's the question I hear all the time, how do I write? And the biggest thing I can <laughs> tell you is put yourself out there, right? Sponsor, get a con to sponsor a CCC, put something on the DMs Guild. Please put something on the DMs Guild. It's the easiest way for us to find you. Yep. You know, be involved. You know, go to a con, say hi to us, come to a seminar, send us an email. Just be involved, be, make a contact, and we'll we'll keep you in mind. Yep. Even before that, how do people just find out about where local places that are running D&D Adventurers League games? 
Uh, we have a con map that you can go to via through our website, dndadventuresleague.org. Uh, that'll sh- t- show you the cons, and then obviously the Wizard Store Locator is a great resource to take advantage of as well. And our, our they, Facebook yeah. groups, we have. Oh yeah, uh, the the D and D Adventures League uh, Facebook group that has now what like thirty thousand members now. Oh really? Yeah, dude. Oh, uh, I think we're over that, aren't we? Are we fifty thousand? That's a lot of members. It is. A, uh, it, it's crazy. Members it's a buttload. Only. And then there's a. D&D. Do you have to wear a members only jacket when you play? Another. I actually reference. always wear a members only jacket and my Kangles, Greg. <laughs> so um, you are in like Flynn from Tron. <laughs> <laughs> But we have a we have a pretty robust Facebook presence where you can also learn state by state, city by city, what's uh, going on in your area. Yeah, and since we've been finding there's four places in like five West miles Seattle. of your house, the hotbed of uh, gaming. There's a lot of gaming in West Seattle. There's a lot of wizards in West Seattle. There's too. a lot of wizards. A lot of wizards yeah. walking around. A lot of bards. A lot of bards. A lot of, you know, they're playing the, 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 the Pearl Jam music. They're not Seattle. really bard. They're buskers. Oh, yeah, you would, would you, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I'm just messing with you. Uh, but yeah, the store locator is a great thing because mo- uh, I know the lion's share of D&D Adventures League yep. happens in, in game stores mm-hmm. uh, uh, and in those public yeah. locations. Yep. So look for those. Uh, and uh, college campuses, I mean, that's where... Oh, yeah. Which one of you had the story about where you found it? Was that, yeah, it was at the college campus and how you found yeah. it all there, yeah. too. So there's always going to be a flyer up somewhere, the student union. Flyer up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I like it. I know. I was like, is that a... Nah. Fire up! <laughs> fire up! And if you're running a D&D Adventurers League, you got to flyer up, man. Uh, yeah. you got to get those flyers and... You want people to come to your event? You're talking fire about the up. 80s. Remember those old zines from the 80s? Like get the, some zine like up. the punk rock zines. Oh, yeah. The 80s? Yeah. People the are 80s. making lots of... There's a there's a uh, Dice Camera Action zine that people are making. I know there's that adventure zine uh, that mm-hmm. people follow the adventure oh zone. Oh, my God. Zines are coming back it's, in a big way. It's, wow. It's retro, bro. To- you know what? Totes. Walden Books is going to be back. Walden yeah, Books? There you not. Go. Walden Books is dead as fried chicken. <laughs> Amazon made sure of that. So. That's sad, because you know, I... I miss hearing. I'll miss hearing stories about kids discovering the monster manual nope. at Walden Books. Now they're going to discover it on Pinterest, or I'm dead serious. Or, or yeah. from us. Yeah, or from Whoa. us. Well, I know, right? Not so. Makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, uh, Greg. Where can people get in touch with you uh, on a more personal note, uh, whether it's through social media or whatever? Sure. Uh, obviously, I'm Greg Marks on Facebook and Google groups and all that stuff. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at the poorly chosen Twitter handle of Scarrett7H3Green. That's how many, totally intuitive. How many times have you said that? That's exactly what I would have asked. Uh, I usually <laughs> use that phrase for every interview because I really, really regret it now that I actually have to use it for cast. I That's think, how I feel about my email. I think you can change email. it. I think you can. It might be, there might be a cost associated with it, but Twitter, look into it. Twitter will ch- scare it. What was it again? It's scare it, and then the in lead speak seven H three green. Oh God! Yeah, <sighs> it was it was a horrible choice. I I own it. I I totally own it. It I'm was so not the right choice. I'm so proud that you own that. You didn't know. Yeah. You didn't know. I mean, I at least my icon isn't a pug. I mean. Oh. oh, my icon is the so old. Uh, you won't get that until you go to uh, Bill's 
Bill's Twitter page, which he's about to tell us. Which is Bill.Benham2. I think I have like 15 followers because I never tweet anything. <laughs> You're going to have 16 now. follow you. Yeah. And actually, uh, Mr. Marks, my uh, Twitter avatar is a picture of the Venture Brothers, one of my very favorite oh. uh, televised programs. However, if you look for Damn. Bill Benham on Facebook, you will see a fat pug saying, heck, uh, that is the picture of me. Heck. Yes. That, uh, that you will see. Uh, yeah, Bill Benham on Facebook. Bill Benham.2. I don't know who the first Bill Benham is mm. on Twitter. It's the same it's person like that Avalon has Avalon Hill. I had to be Avalon Hill 2 on Twitter. That is unacceptable. It totally is. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking for you right now. I'm known as the reclusive admin on Facebook. I, what? That's yeah. funny. I don't. That as in, no he sense. rarely responds. I don't I like. Can't find you. I do tons and tons of like email my uh, the submissions at uh, uh, dndadventuresleague.org or on that or yep or resource at dndadventuresleague.org. Uh, those are actually the best ways to get in touch with me. Um, Great, yeah. you're gonna get like four hundred oh, people. Oh, you being have right. hundred and twenty-five followers because I just followed. Shut you. the front door. You do what the French toast. <laughs> 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 That was worth get it for a the lot look more. On, uh, on <laughs> but Shelley Greg Randall's face. Greg now has five ninety eight. What on Instagram? You're talking about Instagram. I'm talking about Twitter. Twitter. Oh, Twitter. Uh, only have so fun. now I have uh, I have a gold issue for him. You do. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You can. You too you. can do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Well, thank you guys so much. I hope uh, uh, this conversation does not steer people away from D and D Adventures. They points them towards it. Especially uh, not. What was that guy's name? Star poop. Uh, Star Star Barf. Star Barf. Star Barf has been in here, and he's been saying lots of great stuff. So he is he is in it to win it. I like Star Barf. Me too. Uh, Shelly, where can people find out about you and what you're doing, and how to pester you about uh, Avalon Hill stuff? Well, you can go to Avalon Hill and pester Avalon Hill Twitter at Avalon Hill Two. Feel you. And I'm on Twitter, Shelly Moo. Pester away. Pester away. Do it. Tell her how much uh, you should be dungeon mastering in West Seattle, not just being a player. Mm Mm-hmm. Playa. 6 p.m. every Monday, Two Finger Social. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. It's across the street from Dunky t- Drunky Two Shoes. I'm going to go. I'm going to No, set it's up, up the street from Drunky Two Shoes. Up the, up the street you from Drunky Two Shoes. You know, that's what my, char- my, my last D&D character was named, Drunky Two Shoes, after that barbecue joint. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that she a great a tabaxi, tabaxi name? So, I mean, obviously. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, I, I, you should always be a tabaxi. I agree. When given the choice. Except for my character... Where I have a tabaxi with a uh, tressum, and I role play the tressum. The tabaxi's job is to carry the tressum. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a tressum is a small winged cat. A winged cat. Thank That's you very telepathic. much. <laughs> That's okay. telepathic. I feel like you're like in <laughs> password. Where it's I like, know. The, the password is. The password is <laughs> small tressum. winged cat. <laughs> Almirage. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. <laughs> it was, was a lot fun. of fun. Uh, we got to have you back, uh, and uh, we'll talk about the next next season when it actually gets announced. That's a good idea. Right? That would be awesome. All right, we like that. Enjoy that. Season eight. It's great. Uh, I think I'm going to sign off here. We don't even know. Did you say where you are on social oh, media? Oh, right. I'm Greg Tito. Hi. I'm at Greg Tito. I'm also on the Instagrams. <laughs> At Greg it's underscore Greg. Tito, because apparently there's another Greg Tito on Instagram. Oh. Not on I know, right? Crazy. Can't win. Uh, so you can also uh, find out about uh, Dungeons and Dragons and what they're doing at Wizards underscore DND on Twitter. The Facebook page yep. uh, is got lots of likes, and they need another like. So please go there, uh, find out more. Uh, and also, Twi- uh, Trevor Kim has been uh, posting a lot of Instagram stuff on the the Wizards yeah. underscore D and D Instagram account. So go yeah, follow that yeah. too. I heard he's a troll. He is. He's he might be a troll. But, you know, he's a fun troll. Okay. He's gonna shake you down for that gambling debt. I think. Seriously. Mm-hmm. 
All right, everybody, we are out. This is a fun uh, first recording of Dungeons and Dragons for 2018. Uh, wait, I didn't actually. I don't know what I'm doing. We're closing out this uh, this episode uh, and saying good night to you good and night. have a fun time. We will be back next week on Dragon Talk. Fly her up. Mm-hmm.